to the main event. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the main event, and I am your boy, your host, the main man, the main attraction, Jermaine Parker. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I don't care what you're doing, I'm just happy that I'm doing it with you. Turn up, turn up. Hey, I'm excited to be back with you once again. Um, it is the Christmas episode, uh, not entirely because I planned it that way, it's just that I'm recording right before Christmas, and this is going to be the final episode of Magnet for 2018, coming back at you in 2019, and I'm coming from you right, coming from, uh, Altus, Oklahoma, and, uh, I get to go home for the holidays this weekend, spend some time with my girls, yay, 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 not really, I'm really, really excited. Uh, for the holidays and stuff and uh kind of by accident when i was thinking about the podcast today i said you know what uh uh i'm gonna do uh kind of like the uh, christmas version and kind of do like a past present future kind of visitation uh as we go into the christmas uh again not really holiday related but you know i try try to do something uh, like I say, I'm coming to you from Altus, Oklahoma. I'm still out here doing my uh, cross training over to my new airframe C-17 Loop Master. Uh, really nice airplane. Um, uh, uh, some of you know that uh, I was actually in Altus uh, 20-something years ago. I came out here when I was uh, when I first joined the Air Force uh, and I uh, got on my first airplane, the C-5 Galaxy. I uh, spent four years on active duty. And then uh, I went back to Charlotte. There's an Air National Guard unit there, the 156 um, Squadron, 145th Wing, Air Wing, and uh, cross trained to uh, C 130s. And uh, all these men, years later, full circle, I am back in office again. Um, be my last airplane, I guarantee you that. <laughs> so, um, but it's funny. So, hey, um, I can't remember. If I shared the story or not. Um, but it's my podcast. And if you heard before, awesome. If you never heard before, here it is. So the first time I was in Altus, um, a little bit of background, uh, of my military background. Um, I, um, I actually went to, um, I left Charlotte and I went to school for a little while and I, and academically I didn't really do well in school. Um, and the reason was because I was really invested in my time and trying to figure out how to uh, get women. Um, and uh, absolutely no idea. Uh, I wasted a lot of time trying to figure it out. It's a lot easier than I thought it was. Um, but that's probably a different episode. Uh, anyway, so I'm back in Charlotte and I'm like, man, what am I going to do? Um, I've got some options, but I don't have a lot of options. I'm cutting, I'm, you know, uh, I'm making, I've made some not so good decisions. Um, and so I'm kind of closing in my options and stuff. And so uh, I had a bright idea one day that I was going to uh, join the Air Force. And um, that that's a good little short story, too. Um, but uh, I uh, I went to a local recruiting station. And when I walked in, uh, the local R&B station was playing uh, in the Air Force office. Uh, I look around the corner. And there's a brother in there. He's in his uh, blues. Uh, he's got his feet kicked up on his desk. And he's reading the Jet Magazine. Uh, for those who remember Jet Magazine. And uh, he's looking at the beauty of the week. And I do not exaggerate this. And so I walk in. And there he is with his feet kicked up. You know, just jamming out to the radio and stuff. Not doing a damn thing. <laughs> I was like, hey, how you doing? He just looked up and was like, sup? <laughs> Right then, I was like, I'm joining the Air Force. <laughs> this dude is cool. He is too cool for school, and I need to be a part of that. Uh, Tech Sergeant Hooper, uh, great guy, got me in and stuff. Um, if anybody knows anything about military recruiters and stuff, they have a really, really bad reputation for lying to you or admitting facts um, uh, because they're uh, they're uh, they're driven by numbers and stuff, and they got to get people. they got to get uh Pants and seats, you know, butts and seats kind of thing. But anyway, um, I ended up going on the basic training, 
in uh, April of 97, and I graduated in June, uh, headed to Shepherd Air Force Base, which is actually only like an hour away from here, um, and uh, did some time there, um, did some other training, and eventually ended up here in Altus, Oklahoma, and uh, I ran into a guy while I was here, really good guy, and uh, was uh, pretty good friends while we were here and stuff, and so he comes to me one day and he's like, hey, Jermaine, I need a favor. Hey, man, I'm your guy. What do you need? And he's like, hey, so um, I met this woman and she works here on base. And actually, that's around the time that they decided that they could let um, uh, civilians into non-essential jobs and stuff. Uh, basically, they're like, you know, there's not a reason to have somebody in a uniform um, that cooks. Not that they don't still have that. They still have services and stuff. But they were like, we could actually kind of free some people up if we didn't make build it all these jobs to be military. So they had um, uh, civilians working in uh, uh, services areas and stuff. And uh, so uh, he met this young lady, and she's working in our dining facility, chow hall, whatever you want to call it. And um, he's like, uh, yeah, I need you to do me a favor. I was like, yeah, not a problem. He said, so um, I met a friend. I was like, okay. He's like, and she's really good looking. I'm thinking, you know what? See, these are the kind of friends that you make in the military. Always looking out for you. He's like, yo, so I don't want to talk to the girl that I met. I want to talk to a friend because she's much better looking. So <laughs> I kind of need you to come with me and distract the girl that I was talking to and kind of do like, you know, I'm going to move in on a friend and stuff. <laughs> and I was like, ah, okay. Um, I'm not sure how this is going to work. Uh, remember, I just spent a couple of years uh, trying to figure out how to uh, talk to women with no avail. Anyway, so um, we do the meet and greet, and um, and he, he does. He starts talking to a friend, and uh, I'm left talking to the other young lady. And um, and not necessarily because uh, I believe in protecting uh, people in their names and stuff. I generally just can't remember her name now because um, it was 20-something years ago. And uh, I have a hard time telling you what I did last weekend. But uh, so anyway, uh, I ended up talking to her and we, we dated while I was here. I was only here for a couple months. And the deal was is that I was here, but, you know, I'd been gone. This is by the time I got here in Altus, man. I want to say it was like, uh, um, I know I, I know I left in November of 97 because I got back right, I got back to Charlotte right before Thanksgiving. So I was here November, October, September time frame. Um, I want to say it was around two months. Um, the deal is, is that, um, I, I, I decided to join the Air Force, um, for a couple of different reasons, but none of them had anything to do with me researching the service or understanding what I was really getting myself into. Um, um, Tech Sergeant Hooper, my recruiter, um, <laughs> he, he sent me to the Air Force in the open general category. What that basically means is that I was open to any job that the Air Force uh, wanted to put me in. But the funny thing is I actually already picked out a guaranteed job. I was um, through some uh, mischief and whatever. I ended up uh, uh, going early. I, w- I really wasn't. I, I went to see Hoop, I'd say, like the second week in April. And I was at basic training on April the 30th. So it was less than three weeks. And what really happened was that when I got my physical and all that good stuff and got my job stuff, there was a guy that was supposed to leave in that slot. And um, he didn't want to go. A lot of people back out in the military at the last minute because friends and stuff tell them, don't do that, don't do that, or whatever, or, or, or whatever reason they backed out. Uh, but what he said was, hey, Paul, I got this guy, and uh, he can't go in the end of the month. What are you doing? I was like, well, I'm not really doing anything. I was working for Wells Fargo at the time, and that's another great story. Um, uh, I, m- I might just do a whole uh, 30 minutes on uh, <laughs> armored guard stories. But um, anyway, f- uh, the importance of that is is that when I got down to basic training, um, I didn't know what job I was going to get. And so when they told me I was going to be um, a cargo load master, again, another good story. Um I, I didn't know what that was. And the woman that told me did a really awful job of telling me what it was. And it also meant that I didn't know what training I had to go to in order to be this Carter Loadmaster. 
Uh, I didn't understand exactly what it meant uh, to be an aviator and I was going to be flying and stuff like that. And so I, I literally was just this dude that they just said, hey, go that go that way. And I went that way. So when I got here, I didn't know how long I was supposed to be here. I had no idea. Um, I just knew that, you know, the next day they always tell you what you're doing. You know, so this is what you're doing for the week. Okay, well, I'm doing that for the week. Um, at the end of uh, training here, um, they had an evaluation and get checked out and stuff. And I knew it was coming up. And uh, I still, in my mind, hadn't really put two and two together um, that I had reached the end of my training. Um, and I was going to be able to go home. And so what happened was I got to my evaluation because this was just another school. I'd already been to other schools. I'd already graduated and stuff. Uh, it just meant I was pointing in directions somewhere else to go. And so when I got done here, they were like, hey, um, you're done. Go to the SATO office and get some tickets. So I did that. And they're like, all right, uh, well, you're done with your training. Uh, you get to go home for two weeks. I'm like, what? And uh, I was like, I was genuinely surprised that I was going home. They're like, yeah, let's, so let's say this is like a Wednesday afternoon. They're like, yeah, Saturday morning. You're out of here. I'm like, cool. And um, so one of the things I did do was I kind of heard about this thing called recruiter assistance where you get to go back and you can spend two weeks with your hometown recruiter and it wouldn't charge you any vacation leave time. And I was like, yo, so I, I uh, got that hooked up. So instead of going home for two weeks, I got to go home for a month and stuff. Um, cause I've been gone for a while and I really wanted to be home. And my, uh, my dad had passed over the summer and stuff. And, you know, a lot of different reasons why I want to go home, but the, uh, the story, let's get to the story. So the young lady I was talking to, um, she was older, uh, woman. Um, so I'm in my, I was 21 when I, um, when I enlisted. And so she was in her thirties. She was actually from the area and, uh, she'd actually spent some time in the military too, um, as a uh, military police in the army. So she was an MP, former MP in the army and stuff. And, um, she's actually like the first tall woman that I ever dated or like really tall, um, she was, um, at least six feet tall and she wasn't a small woman. This is important for later on in the story. Um, so, you know, we're, we're hanging out and kicking and stuff and it's, it's not a, for me, it's not a big deal. I was actually kind of a little funk, um, depression and, um, it might actually kind of address a little mental, uh, uh, mental health thing a little bit later on this podcast, but the the point was is that uh, I was just just kind of was nothing nothing serious for me, um, <laughs> uh, nothing at all. We were just hanging out and stuff because I knew I was going to stay here, you know. And I mean, she knew I was going to stay here. Um, she probably knew better than me. Um, but anyway, so I get my tickets and stuff, and I come back and I see her, and I'm like, "Yo, hey, I need a ride Saturday morning to go catch this flight because I'm going home." I'm out of here. This place sucks. And, uh, she was fine. She's like, yeah, I'll give you a ride. Cause she had a car. So she's like, yeah, I'll give you a ride. And, uh, cause the closest airport was Lawton, Oklahoma, which is like 40, 45 uh, minutes away. Um, maybe an hour away. Um, I just drove through Lawton on the way here. I can't remember, but let's say it's an even hour. Cause I like even, uh, round numbers and stuff. So it's an hour away. And so she's going to save me. Cause like when I came into the military, I came in, is the E1, the lowest of the low, no stripes on my arm, uh, and therefore no money. I think I was, uh, I, I remember my E1 paychecks were about every two weeks I was getting like 200, uh, maybe $225 a week. Uh, and I got a little bit more, but I was paying for my GI bill, so they were taking $50 out of my, of my check. Um, so I wasn't making any money, uh, which wasn't a really big deal, uh, for me because I grew up poor. So not having money uh, was not a big deal. Plus, uh, I had a place to stay. Um, they gave me clothes, and uh, I got to eat three times a day. So yeah, I was cool. But uh, it saved me because it was like a sixty-five dollar cab ride from here to Lawton. So her, she was doing me a really big favor. Anyway, so we're cool. Uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all the way to Friday evening. And I remember like hanging out at like a friend of hers house and we're talking, just laughing stuff. And like, she's like real, real kind of chippy, uh, with the conversation and stuff. And it's just like, you, 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 you know, when you feel energy off people and she was in a bad mood. So 
I don't know why she's in a bad mood. I'm way too young and stupid to uh, to figure any of this out. So we leave. We come back to the base stuff, and we're in my dorm room, and um, we're laying down. And I'm thinking, well, you know what? Might as well get one for the road. Um, she didn't feel the same way. Um, and uh, so uh, we lay there, and um, so she's, like, being kind of – she's not being chippy anymore. She's being bitchy now. She's turning up a notch. And, but she's also, uh, getting a little physical too. Like she's pushing on me and like, and I'm like, oh, you know what? You can have the bed. In every Air Force room, there's a big chair. Most hotel rooms have a big chair, but, um, so I go hop in the big chair and I'm like, yo, you can have the bed. I just want to get some rest because I'm going home tomorrow and I'm just so happy. And so I go sit in the big chair and stuff and I'm like trying to close my eyes, go to sleep. She gets out of the bed, comes over there, uh, sits on top of me and stuff and just messing with me and stuff. And, She's just, I mean, it, it I kind of interpreted it to be playful, but it didn't, wasn't. Um, if anybody's been in a little situation where like you think somebody's being physical with you and they're being playful and they're not really. Uh, so this thing kind of escalates and we're both, I, I'm, I'm getting out of the chair and she's following me around the room and she's pushing me and all this kind of stuff. Well, we kind of get into, I like, you know, I'm like, now I'm like trying to grab her hands and stuff. You know, if you, uh, fellas, you've ever been in that position before where, you know, you got a lady and stuff just trying to, I'll get physical with you. You're like, yo, I'm not trying to do anything. I just want to contain the situation. And so, you know, I grab my hands and stuff. Well, she breaks free of me and she rears back. Um, and she slaps the dog piss out of me. The dog piss. If anybody's old enough to remember the old, uh, any commercial with the, uh, the silent Indian, he would just like cry that one Indian tear. Um, she slapped that Indian tear out of my ass. And, uh, <laughs> she, she did. Um, she turned my fucking head. I mean, really. Uh, it goes back to the, this was not a small woman that hit me. She hit me hard. And I instantly, um, instantly got mad. And I grabbed her and I can't say whether I raised my hand to her or not. I think maybe I did. I ain't sure. All I know is that she said to me next, she looked me in the eye, she was like, do it, do it, hit me, I want you to hit me, you're not going anywhere. And at that moment, I heard a high-pitched squeal. I was like, ah! And I looked around, I was like, oh, that was me. <laughs> little bitch of me. I was like, she's trying to set me up. It all came to me. She was trying to find me, she wanted me to hit her, so she was going to call her, I wasn't going to go anywhere. Um... I grabbed my keys, my plane ticket. That's all I got. My wallet, and I went down to my buddy's room. I'm banging on the door. And I'm like, "Hey, hey, man, let me in, let me in." She's crazy, and uh, so he does. He lets me in and stuff. And by this time, it's like after midnight or whatever. And I'm like, "Yo, she can have a room. I don't know what she's doing down there. I'm not going back." Um, my flight was early in the morning, so I ended up going back down to the room like five o'clock in the morning. And the door was open. She had left. Um, and so I grabbed my, um, grabbed my suitcase and all my stuff and I called a taxi and, and I had to pay out, um, <laughs> that $665, which was like my last bit of cash. I was <laughs> damn near had my paycheck, uh, for two weeks gone trying to, trying to get out of there and I was just happy to be gone. Um, I get back to Charlotte and I'm hanging out with my recruiter and stuff and he's like, yo, man, let's go downtown. They had a, the uh, recruit squadron was downtown. So I walk around down there, and I meet this guy when we're walking around. He's like, Aaron Parker. And I'm like, oh, shit, what the fuck? He's like, there's a young lady from Oklahoma calling around looking for you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, uh, okay. And uh, he's like, yeah, I, and I, I don't know what he thought she was calling for. I almost uh, would assume, being an older dude, that he thought that maybe I had left this girl high and dry somehow. Um, but he didn't care. Uh, ultimately, he didn't care. And he was like, he basically told me, hey, look, she's not going to call her no more. You have some problems. I'm like, sir, yes, sir, I'm going to take care of that. And so uh, I ended up talking to her like the next day. And when I tell you that she was sweet as pie on the phone and was like, hey, baby, how you doing? I miss you so much. I'm glad you made it home safe. And I'm sitting there just like, huh? <laughs> uh, I was like, and I, I kind of like, I'm still young, so I'm not that forceful in conference. But I, I broke the subject. I'm like, yo, do you not remember what happened before we left? Oh, you so silly. <laughs> she laughs it off stuff. I'm like, nah, you, you sound real crazy right now. 
hey, do me a favor. Please don't call back anymore. I had done anything to you. You know, we're good. And um, so she stopped calling after me and stuff. And I ended up on uh, my first duty station in Dover, Delaware. And I stayed up there until 01, uh, April of 01. Um, but while I was there, like the um, first couple of years when I was there, somebody she got my address. She had a son. And you know how kids always have, you know, like book clubs or fundraising stuff. And like I would randomly get stuff in the mail, <laughs> you know, su- support little Tyreek <laughs> in his book club. I'm like, how does she know where I am? Because I didn't like stay in the same place, but I would always like, it would forward on and find me. Um, I met this, uh, we had a guy, he cross trained out of uh, supply and he became a little master brother. And there's not a lot of minorities in aviation. Um, whether that be military or civilian aviation and stuff. Um, and so, um, especially in the military, you know, we all hung out together. Um, and so here was a new brother coming to the squadron and I kind of met him before he left. It seemed like a cool dude. He left, um, went through his training. He had to come through here and he comes back. And when he comes back, he doesn't talk to me. And I'm like, yo, why is he not talking to me? And the, the deal was, uh, for the short, for the short version of the story was that he had met her down here. And she had told him that we were getting married and she was coming to Dover and all this good stuff. And when he got back, he met me. He thought I was a good dude and stuff. And he, he didn't want to talk to me because he felt embarrassed and stuff. And, um, the way he, uh, he, he, the, the story came out is we were all over a friend's house one day and he was sitting there drinking, um, uh, a fifth of, uh, uh, Henny all by himself. And he kind of looks up to me. He's like, Hey, Parker, man, I up with your girl. And as you can imagine, some tables and shit got moved around stuff and we had to be separated. And I'm thinking he's talking, I had a girlfriend at the time. I think, you know, something's, you know, it's the military. Have you ever been around military cats and stuff? All kind of shady and ill stuff goes on. Uh, just illmatic. And anyway, once he, uh, said her name again, which I can't remember or I would probably bring it up. Um, <laughs> but once he said her name, I was like, Oh, yo, you can let me go. Let me tell you the story. And so, uh, like any good story, it has three acts. And so those were three acts here when I got back to Charlotte. And then, um, that was like two years later. Um, she was still. So I, I just, I, I tell that story, uh, because I'm here in Oklahoma and it's fresh in my mind. And, and Altus is such a small place that I think if she's in the town, I'm probably going to run into her in Walmart, but I can't remember what she looks like. <laughs> just some random lady's like, Hey, how you doing? I'm like, Hey, how you doing? <laughs> she's like, I'm going to kill him. Um, but uh I, I tell her for 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 that um and um your boy puts it down cuz uh that stayed for a long time anyway um today on our on our podcast um like i said it was kind of christmas themed in terms of when i thought about the things i, were, I was going to talk about and so one of the first things um you know i was like to hop into um some of the stuff that's going on and um, it was a part of my, my New Year's resolution is to bring you the podcast weekly and stuff because this was something I wanted to talk about last week, but, um, I was really, really trying to study, uh, and get my stuff together for this, uh, this school and stuff. And, uh, I could have podcast over the weekend and I probably will start just doing it over the weekend when I got more time, uh, during the week is just kind of frantic because sometimes I'm, I'm starting at four o'clock in the morning, um, and the schedule rotates. It's not a set schedule. Uh, for training and stuff. So, uh, the weekends, uh, are pretty good. So expect in uh, 2019 to have the main event every weekend, uh, coming out on Saturday or Sunday, uh, most likely on Saturday. But, uh, uh, so I wanted to talk about something last week and it was, uh, it was about Kevin Hart and I saw that he was, uh, going to host the Oscars and just as uh, quick as he made that announcement, uh, he had to come back out and was like, um, He's not going to do it because they had looked at some past tweets and they were uh, kind of homophobic and stuff. And he um, he was like, basically, like, I'm not going to apologize for those tweets. They, the Academy wanted him to apologize. And he's like, yeah, I'm not going to because I've already apologized for those. Um, and if you spend as much time looking for the tweets and stuff, you should look for the apologies and play those too. And basically, you know, thanks for the offer. Uh, I got better things to do. Uh, and, uh, there were a lot of people, I know Nick Cannon, uh, came to his defense and stuff. Um, and 
he brought it next and Nick Cannon dug up some, um, some tweets from some other comedians, some white females. And then, and he, and he said, I think he was on Wendy Williams who he was talking about. It. He's like, yo, this is, I respect these people, but I'm just saying, you know, let's be, let's be honest. People have, have, uh, said things. And, you know, really my, my take on that was, is that, um, as society moves, um, what's acceptable and what's not acceptable moves with it. I remember when I was coming up, if a young female, um, teenage eight, teenage, or got pregnant, um, they disappeared. Not that anybody kidnapped did anything to them, but generally speaking, like if you were in the South, that person went North. If you were in the North, that person went South. They, they hid pregnancy like that. And it was for a lot of different reasons. One was like reputations and stuff like that. Like there would be girls that show back up, you know, like, Hey, where you been? Uh, I got a new sister and, and, and aunts would raise, uh, kids as, um, as their own. And, uh, the real mama would be a cousin or, you know, a sister to their own, their child publicly and stuff like that. There are a lot of things that have changed, uh, interracial dating. The, uh, the idea that has changed. Um, but the, when, when people talk about what's going on now and homosexuality and stuff like that, you know, I remember that being, the go-to stomp on people in like church. Um, now there, there are a lot of, uh, sins that are related to sex, but the only one that people really want to talk about was homosexuality. Um, I mean, they, 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 they spoke on adultery, but not too hard because let's be honest, that's basically in the South. Guess who was getting in? Um, you, you know, you don't really want to talk about yourself too much. Um, so from the pool pitch, you heard a lot of derogatory things. Uh, in comedy and stuff, you heard, you heard a lot of derogatory things. You know, I talked earlier in the episode about rape culture and how I didn't understand how I've been raised and rape culture. And what that, what that really means is that when you look back, there are a lot of things, uh, about taking advantage of women and forcing women. Um, the, the idea was that women could not make decisions on their own. So it was okay to be forceful with them. Um, you know, uh, about things about pertaining to their bodies and trying to make decisions for them. Um, you know, we still have that conversation till today, um, with people trying to revisit Roe Ro versus Wade and trying to make decisions for other people's bodies and, uh, their genitalia and what they're going to do and stuff. And just back in the day, there were a lot of, and people grow up in that. And the, the big thing about the rape culture thing is that I grew up in it and I had some very, very, uh, fucked up views about that stuff because it was normalized. And that was really what rape culture is, is that when you normalize certain things and therefore it allows predators to thrive and stuff because you don't think nothing about it. You know, if you think back to the movie Grease, and I love Grease, and when they're doing like Summer Love and stuff, and I know what the dude's name, but they're sitting there talking and Jonathan Bolson is singing and stuff, and he's like, tell me more, tell me more. And the boy goes, did she put up a fight? Um, brother, you sound real rapey right now. <laughs> what do you mean that she put up a fight? Did you ask her? She said no. You let it go, or oh wait, she can't think for herself, and she's just trying to. You got to force yourself, and a lot of dudes forced themselves on women back then. If you look at the culture, some of the things that were said and moving and stuff, um, uh, like I say, you can revisit the episode. I forget which one it is, but um, it's rape culture. I, I know it was, uh, was in the title of it. And uh, I talk about the different movies and stuff like that. So when I look at Kevin Hart and I look at some of the stuff that he said from years, pa uh, some years past and tweets and stuff, and um, it's kind of hard with Kevin because he's a comedian. And some of the stuff he said was just some, was some of the stuff he said in his in his comedy act, uh, talking about his son. He didn't want his son to be gay, and, uh, that kind of stuff, and um, and. I understand that um, everybody wants to be offended. I'm offended by a lot of shit. I mean, I, I am. Uh, I don't consider myself a snowflake because uh, if you want to catch these hands, you can. If you, I mean, um, this yeah, I ain't just about talk. <laughs> I'm older now. I don't have to. But if you need somebody to bang with you, I'll bang with you. Uh, this, you know, a lot of people just about they just talk. It's just talk game. This ain't just talk game. I'm backing this shit up all the way. Whatever I got to say, I feel free that I can say that because you ain't going to say nothing to me. Not face to face. Um, but Kevin said some stuff and as a comedian, it's kind of hard because like, uh, so I like Gary Owen and I, I follow his podcast 
and uh, I, I really, really like he's a funny dude. Um, I, I really like that dude, and and uh, his is uh, get some a hashtag get some. If you're looking at Gary Owen podcasts, get some. Um, if, if you just need a, a quick laugh and stuff, yeah, hang out with Gary. Um, but anyway, so but Gary said one time says comedians if we ever apologize for something we don't really mean that because we meant the joke. And I think that's kind of a hard stance to have because it's like, well, you know, everybody grows and I don't mean everything. You know, I talked about it earlier in part because I knew it was going to get to this point. When I was in college, I made some mistakes. Um, luckily, I got to grow past my mistakes. And I think that was Kevin's thing. He's like, you know, I understood I made some mistakes, but I've grown past that. And he actually apologized. And, I, I you know, I didn't look for the apology. He said he apologized. I don't know what the man said he apologized uh, about the stuff. And, but a lot of stuff that he was talking about were commonly held views of homophobia and stuff like that. And so I believe that he said them. I mean, I know he said them and, and I, I believe to some degree, uh, they were not jokes. Um, but what I also believe in this Christmas episode is we start with the first ghost of Christmas in the past that you can't let your past determine your future and you've got to allow people to grow from where they were you can't hold people because that, that that seems to be the thing where we're going back and we're going to say and it's different so let me let me say this if you go back and let's say that i had I'd actually been on twitter for 10 years and you go back and you hear me talking about leadership 10 years ago and i'm talking about the same thing today you can use that and say look that guy has not grown and he's still talking the same stuff but if I'm back there, I'm like, sure, ain't talking about, you know, I don't care about it and it's not important and stuff like that. And I'm talking about it today. Instead of going back and going, see, he doesn't really believe that. You understand that I've grown since then and I've had some things that come in my life and that that's what we do as individuals. We grow and we get better and you got to do that. And so when I was looking at the Kevin Hart thing, I said, you know, people just got to allow for a little growth. And like I say, you can be offended, but you can't, you, but you can't make people do things either that's kind of that's kind of deal it's um i recognize the uh the economy the, the 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 way that that is and it happens is sort of like for me so um as i get older and stuff and i, I talk about um a lot of r- a racial injustice and stuff i understand that i can't make anybody um not be racist and not be hateful and stuff and not hold the viewpoints that make them that way it's just kind of their right. And as a military member, I've actually sworn to protect those rights. So if you don't like me, you don't like me. I had a good friend of mine. He just found a podcast and stuff. And we were talking. He's like, hey, I like your podcast and stuff. I didn't agree with everything you had to say. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I don't agree with everything I had to say. You can probably go back to episode one. I'll find like, you know, and I don't agree. But he's like, I agree with like 70 to 80%. I'm like, man, that's a pretty high number. Because <laughs> you're not. You're not going to agree with everything that I got to say. And I, and I understand that. It's still my right to say it. It's your right not to agree with it. Um, the, 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 the hopefully the thing that happens when uh, we don't agree is that we are able to have conversations and that's the time I get to back up my viewpoint. You get to back up yours again. Nothing says that at the end of it, somebody has to be swayed and somebody has to um, back down from what they, um, they held as the belief and stuff. But there's reasons why um, people feel that way. And I think a lot of times people hold on to those feelings because they're never challenged. Um, and hopefully, uh, when we, when I talk about the episodes I've done about race and racism and stuff in America and stuff, maybe they challenge some of your previously held uh, views and, um, and we can have that conversation. Um, and so like with Kevin and stuff, uh, that was kind of my takeaway, you know, and, and that's a, and it's a leadership thing as I, as I move into my, my, my leadership segment for the podcast is that, so for the present, um, as we move from past to present, you got to be able to believe today that people can change, even when you don't see the signs of it. Um, there's a there's a thing about leadership. There's well, there's a couple things about leadership. Um, one off the the theme of uh, present is, as I wanted to address, was um, 
Well, we'll do it in turn. But so for the believing that things can change in the present, believing that people in the past. So when I look at Kevin and stuff as a leader in your organization stuff, you're going to look at people and you're going to have this kind of stuff because this and technology, so this stuff's going to come up. It's going to come up as a leader. I, I guarantee you uh, social media is unemploying a lot of people. Now, there's some people that are immune to it, uh, like celebrities and stuff um, who can be immune to it. Um and and sometimes they're they're not so much, but they're going to say things, and people are going to bring it up. And like I said, if you're going to dig up my past, um, that's fine. Um, just understand that I am not. I was not the same person uh, when I, when I was 15, from when I was 10, from when I was 20 to 15, from 25, and so on, forth and so forth. Uh, I'm 43 years old now. Um, I acknowledge uh, I'm a father. Um, you know, I acknowledge that there were a lot of things that I said, man, if I was, their social media was, uh, rampant wasn't like it, um, is for our kids, like this generation and stuff. You definitely would have seen some stuff for me that was, uh, sexist, homophobic, uh, and just plain ignorant. Uh, things that I believed in that were not true, uh, simply because somebody said it and I believe that person, not because I did any research to understand whether it was true or not. And I mean, a lot of people had that problem. Um, where they take one source and they bleed a source and they never check the, uh, um, check the, uh, the facts about what people are talking about. They just take the person at their word. But either way, um, in leadership and stuff, you're going to be dealing with that kind of stuff. And you, and I, I want you to understand that people do change and that they probably did say what they, I mean, you'll, you'll have the evidence. Somebody like, well, I was on Susan's Facebook and she said, and it's going to be awful. Um, but you got to kind of believe and give people the opportunity to explain themselves and their journey and how they changed. Now, some people haven't changed, and if that's the case, then, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, have a little faith in your leadership that uh, people can change and stuff. Um, you know, I, I said something, I, you know, earlier about mental illness. And uh, Kanye West, uh, I think, is trying to weaponize mental illness because uh, when everything was going on, you know, uh, yeah, he came back and said, well, I've got mental illness. Then he sat with uh, President Trump. He was like, no, nah, I was just misdiagnosed. It's not mental illness. And now he's beefing with uh, Drake. And um, <laughs> and now he's like, well, Drake's a bully because I got mental illness. And I'm like, yeah, you full of shit. Um, don't be like that. You know, you, you know, you, you have to evaluate everybody uh, individually. But mental illness um, is, is a serious thing. And, you know, a lot of people, uh, especially in the military, um, we, we have, um, we have a lot of people that come back, uh, and this has been, um, a very interesting, um, two decades, um, as we almost end out, you know, we're moving into 2019, but, you know, you think about it and <clears throat> in less than two more years, we've almost been in constant conflict for almost 20 years. And that's just like unheard of. Um, and so we got a lot more people, um, who have seen things and been through some things, uh, had things happen to them and they're coming back with post-traumatic, um, stress and, 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 and it's serious. And, 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 and thank God the military is starting to do a little bit more, uh, with guys before they leave, uh, trying to deal with their issues and stuff. Um, and hopefully the VA catches them on the backside after they leave and takes care of them. Um, not saying that that's happening everywhere, but, you know, hopefully that's what happens and stuff. So, you know, um, when we're talking about leadership and stuff, just believe that uh, people can change and not holding the past against people, um, which kind of comes over from the Kevin Hart thing is that, you know, because you, you're going to have people. This is not just one of those kind of things that just happens for Kevin. This is going to happen a lot, and in your leadership you're going to find figure out that, hey, I'm going to have to deal with this stuff because people – are offended and and they have the right to be offended by things um but as a leader uh you're the one that people will look to for guidance and mentorship to say hey uh this is imbalance is out of bounds and this is where we stand as an organization stuff i think that's one of those kind of things when we talk about like the nfl and other organizations they kind of have a uh, mixed bag about where they stand on certain issues and stuff and and and, and why they uh they uh, choose to ignore some things and persecute some other things uh, really harshly. But that's kind of life. And like I said, that's, that's all leadership and stuff. Um, 
You know, I was telling somebody recently, um, as we, we talk about leadership, one of the other things that leadership is very, 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 very important. And so that's why, um, you know, the central theme of my podcast has always been leadership because I really do believe it and stuff. Um, because when you don't have it, um, I, um, some years ago, um, I was, uh, working and there was a, uh, one of the supervisors retired and wasn't replaced for almost two years. And I say that his, uh, that section went feral. <laughs> they, they just completely, because there was nobody. To, uh, so what happens when you have a lack of leadership is, is that there's nobody taking care of you. So what do you have to do? You have to take care of yourself. Well, any organization isn't really built on the idea of you taking care of yourself. Uh, the idea is that you focus your efforts on uh, meeting the organizational goals and stuff. And the person appointed above you should be taking care of your needs. That way you can focus on meeting the organizational. That's their job is to take care of you and make sure you're good. Um, because when you're good, and I probably said this uh, a, a thousand times just this year, but, you know, the best milk comes from having cows. I stole that from that uh, that campaign, uh, California um, milk campaign and stuff. But it's really true. When people are doing are at their best, they can give you their best. When they're not happy and stuff, they can't. So that's really part of your job as a supervisor. But when there's no one there to do that job and stuff, people turn inwards. And then that's, that means they're not doing the best they can for organizational goals and stuff and achievement because they're trying to make sure that they're taken care of. And if it goes on long enough, even when you try to reintroduce people as authoritarian figures and stuff, they don't recognize that because you don't have the trust and relationships built up that you need in order to lead people anymore. And that just takes time and stuff. So it's very important that you don't have those gaps in leadership and just because somebody's in a position doesn't mean that the uh, leadership is not uh, going unfulfilled. Um, and that's why you got to constantly challenge and stuff and make sure that uh, test leadership, that they are doing what they're supposed to do and recognizing exactly what they're supposed to do. Um, I'm going to wrap up uh, with my real estate stuff. So this is future. So we did past, present, and future with my real estate stuff. So Keller Williams. Uh, still being voted number one in customer service and satisfaction. Um, if you're looking for a real estate agent, it doesn't matter where you are in the U.S. If you can, if you can hear the sound of my voice, um, the great thing is that Keller Williams is so big that the referral uh, network is incredible. And I think the last podcast I was talking about, oh yeah, it's overseas too. So even if you, even if you were trying to go overseas, I, I'm almost certain that I could refer you out to an agent, um, that would meet your needs. Again, it's just one of those kind of things where you come, you go, Hey, I need somebody who is very detail oriented, who's going to be able to, uh, who's got connections and stuff or, but uh, you know, let's say that you're into, um, investment properties and stuff. And it's somewhere like, uh, so like I said, I'm in Altus, Oklahoma and real estate out here compared to North Carolina is very, very cheap. And, and I know there's a military base and man, if I bought a house out here and I made it a crash pad, I'm thinking about selling, you know, man, I could probably get this much income based on this and this and this and this. Um, but I need somebody who's going to be able to, uh, property management out here. Or I need a general contractor and stuff like that. So you might need a, uh, an agent that has, you know, as you go into new areas that has those contacts for you and can recommend good people and stuff. It's as simple as um, getting on the phone, finding you an agent, getting you placed. And uh, the the big deal with this the real estate stuff is uh, when, when you buy, buy with confidence and buy, and buy looking towards the future. That's what I would tell you. Um I was, uh, I was talking to, um, uh, she's my second cousin, but I love her to death. She's one of my favorite cousins because of Kim. Um, but she, uh, we were talking about real estate and what it took to be an agent and some of the things that, you know, I really wanted to do. And they, they already have them out there, but, um, like buy the block initiatives and stuff where it's basically crowdfunding and stuff when people are reinvesting in their own communities and stuff, which again, if you're waiting for other people to, <laughs> to see, your worth, man, you might be waiting a while. And that, that's actually across the board, uh, whether you're talking about relationships or you're talking about at work or you're talking about your community or whatever. Um, if you believe it's worth something, 
then the best way to convince somebody else is worth something is for you to invest in it too. So if you think you're worth something as an individual, you need to invest in yourself, whether it be education or taking or or putting your money where your mouth is, and instead of doing uh, trivial things with your money, you're taking it and you're doing things to uh, empower yourself um, or your vision. Like you believe in, if you believe in your business and stuff, then you need to put your money in your business. Other people will believe in you um, only as much as you believe in yourself. Um, and so, we, when we're talking about real estate, though, um, if we're talking about uh, properties and stuff look towards the future believe in it like you know hey this is um something that i could turn around and so one of one of my goals for 2019 is to uh get my first investment property and get a tenant in there and get that income going um starting my uh, property management llc um by the end of next year um and you know and i'm investing myself the first property i will manage will be my own um but getting that started and up and going and stuff and then helping other people uh understand finance and stuff like that uh how we're how uh you can uh secure different types of loans and uh if, if you got questions about that you know again the great thing about being with keller is in my office uh there is a loan officer uh, uh, and he sits right there and he is more than happy to, um, any questions, answer any questions and stuff. Um, when I get back to Charlotte in March and stuff, if, if you're thinking about buying a house and, and you want to know about some stuff, Hey, let's get together. Let's go see him. Let's talk to him for a second. Or if you don't want to, you know, like you feel like you're being led and railroaded to a certain mortgage company, you, 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 it's not, it's really just informational. Um, and it's kind of one of those kind of those things where, um, when you believe in your product too, you're willing to give away free information and stuff to, Hey, look, I'm giving it to you. I mean, you can go use it somewhere else, but remember where you got it from. <laughs> um, who else was trying to give you this information? Who else is trying to help you out in achieving your dreams and your goals? So, you know, just kind of remember that when, uh, you're putting everything together. Uh, uh, I, there are a lot of different things you can do. Um, uh, we, we talk about generational wealth and stuff like that. Um, handed down uh, a couple of um, properties to your kids that have tenants and are already generating X amount of dollars a month um, profit for them. Um, that, that's that's how that starts. Um, there's so many things with that uh, with investing in property and stuff. Um, I know a lot of people in this cultural type stuff. Um, but I know of a young lady and she does Airbnb, um, from her house. She has a big house. She's like five bedroom house or whatever. And so I think she does, she Airbnbs out the you know, top floor of her house and stuff. Um, even if you're not to the point yet where you want to buy, um, a investment property, if you got an extra bedroom and stuff, and I say, and, I, and that's why I bring up culturally, culturally, um, you know, not something that I would do simply because I got small kids. And, you know, I, you know, there's a, there's a measure there for me where I'm like, yeah, I just would feel comfortable with having somebody in the house, uh, with my kids in the house sleep. You know what I mean? Um, and just because of my floor plan, the, you know, the bedrooms, the master split from the rest of the bedroom, uh, bedrooms and stuff. Uh, even though I, you know, I got cameras in the house and stuff like that, but still, um, cameras and guns. Let me put that out there. <laughs> there's cameras on the outside. There's, uh, cameras on the inside, but more importantly, there's hot lead on the inside. Uh, I keep seeing these people, um, stealing packages and stuff off of porches and stuff. And I'm like, man, uh, y'all don't even know. <laughs> I, I probably wouldn't shoot you over, but I would probably beat the shit out of you. Uh, come right at that front door. The camera's going off. You come to my yard. Ain't no foot traffic in my, you gonna have to drive up to my house. And if you drive up to my house, take some on my porch, you probably gonna deserve whatever you get. Um, but yeah, so, uh, there's, there's a lot of different ways, um, like that young lady Airbnb out, um, rooms in her house and eventually she stacks that money up, um, she can go get a property, um, where she can do that. And I think the rules for Airbnb is that you really just got to have, um, if you got three bedrooms, you need three separate bathrooms in order to, to, use, to sell all three bedrooms, but it's really based on your bath. So, 
Um, if you're looking at investment property for that, which um, uh, I'm going to look for one for that particular purpose, because um, it, it's basically <laughs> it's basically running your own hotel. Um, but and again, like I talked about before, that just leads into you being able to hire and employ other people. Somebody's got to clean it. Somebody's got to do the artwork. Somebody's got to do all this other stuff. So um, there's a lot of good things about investing in yourself and in, in your own business. Um, it doesn't. You don't require a degree to start your own business, um, but people will require you to have a degree to work for them. School is set up for people to be workers. It's not set up for entrepreneurs. Um, keep that in mind uh, when you're doing stuff. And there, there are a lot of there are a lot of good things out there. Even if you want to be a professional as a doctor and stuff, you can open up your own clinic. Uh, there's still opportunities for you to be an entrepreneur within the scope of the profession that you're in. Um, so, with all that being said, uh, Merry Christmas. <laughs> I hope everybody has a uh, wonderful holiday season. Uh, like I say, I'm getting out of here this weekend. I'm heading back to North Carolina. Uh, please uh, holler at me while I'm home. Uh, I'll be back here um, on the 1st of January. I'll be back here uh, getting ready for school again. Uh, like I say, uh, one of my, my big goals is to make sure that uh, I'm putting out uh, some content uh, every week for you. Uh, so when we're, when I'm talking about my current event stuff, it actually really is current. It's not like last week, because um, what end up happens is is that uh, like our, our attention span is very short, and so I I kind of got to cover stuff while it's hot. Um, but I think I worked out my schedule a little bit better, and uh, I'm uh, I'm a, over a little over a month done with my training. So I got uh, when I get back, I'll have uh, a little. A little less than two months to go. Uh, we'll knock that out. We'll be back in North Carolina. Like I say, uh, hopefully I'll have that first house, um, in the bay, uh, midway through. I'll have the LLC up and stuff and we'll be meeting those 2019 goals and stuff. Hey, if you got some goals that you want to meet and stuff, um, by all means, man, let's talk about them. Let's see what we can do, especially if we're talking about leadership or uh, real estate. Um, uh, completely free advice on either or. <laughs> um, again, because, uh, I think that, uh, once you, once you, once you work with me, uh, you'll recommend me to your friends. Once you see how hard I work for you, um, how seriously I take my uh, fiduciary duties, um, and making sure that you are protected as a client and you're not paying a dime more than you have to. And what's, what's, uh, Standard, what's not, um, you not having to search for form, you know, people, cause people are like, you know, can I sell my own house? Absolutely. You can sell your own house. You just can't sell property for other people. That's why you need a license. Um, but if you're going to sell property for other people, you need to sell it, uh, like it's your own. And absolutely, um, we'll take care of that. Man, it has been, uh, well, it's been awesome. Uh, 2018, again, thank you. I launched the podcast. Uh, we ended up with 14 episodes. We could have done more, but you know what? It doesn't matter. 2019, we're going to hit it up. We're going to increase our viewership. If you, uh, you know anybody else that needs to hear this, please, uh, www.demandspodcast.com. I love you guys. Sincerely. Thank you for everything that you do. Let's go. I gotta go. I gotta go. Okay, okay. What you talking about? What you talking about? What you talking about? What you talking about? What you talking about?